welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, This podcast is being recorded and posted on October 21st, 2021. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer dealing with communications for Chapter 49 and also uh, a retiree. We welcome you to our podcast and uh, we, want, we welcome those listening and watching on uh, YouTube. Both We uh, offer it both different ways. And I'd like to once again welcome uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president for Chapter 49. Good to be here, Larry. And those of you watching on video can uh, obviously see we do have a guest this week. Uh, Doreen Greenwald is a special assistant to our national president, Tony Reardon. So uh, I would like to welcome Doreen Greenwald back to the podcast. It's uh, good to have you back. Thanks for having me. This is a weekly uh, event for me to watch, so I appreciate all you guys are doing to keep keep this going. So thank you. Well, thank you. You know, I I have I torture myself because I have to watch myself, but uh, I I only do that to make sure the technical part is okay. And so far, I think we're we're doing well. Well, uh, Doreen, uh, I'm going to start off asking you a question, and Duncan and I will will kind of hand each other off in terms of asking questions of you. But there's no question that the uh, executive order from President Biden and the vaccination mandate has has uh, created the most work. I mean, you've got all this work we all have to do as, as chapter officials and layer upon that this huge vaccination mandate issue. It's it's a lot to deal with, but, you know, we're all, we all are up to the uh, task, I think. And I want to start off by asking you about the briefings that the IRS has been giving NTEU at the national level, particularly lately, what what have you learned from these most recent briefings? Well, you know, for NTU's part, we um, meet with IRS pretty regularly, um, both on the COVID evacuation and the notices there, as well as now the um, vaccination mandate. Um, uh, NTU is also working with IRS on the mandate and it's going to be negotiated. Uh, there's a table set up for that, and we're still waiting for some details on that. Um, meanwhile, we've been getting briefings from the IRS kind of on the status of where uh, employees are at as far as their vaccination status, and also about their plans to um, address the mandate, how they're gathering data for information, and and what other things they're doing to help encourage employees meet that mandate. So I guess the, the most recent briefings have uh, zeroed in on what happens next. As far as any employees who may be listening to this on October 21st or some date afterward, uh, uh, do we have a better idea what the employees can expect to go through? For for example, for if they're applying for reasonable accommodations or if they have that denied or get an accommodation they don't like or simply don't uh, want to get the vaccine, uh, do we know much about what discipline they're going to face, how that will work? Well, the reasonable accommodation process has kind of been slow to get out to employees. I I would best (laughs) describe that. Um, Initially, they put out some information that gave uh, two different websites, one for if you were requesting a medical accommodation and one if you were requesting a a religious accommodation. And then if people uh, applied for it, they got a canned answer back, basically saying they were waiting for further guidance um, and couldn't give them much more at that point. Um, Just this week, they dropped two new forms that they are recommending for employees to use. Um, My understanding, I just got some emails today that people are having difficulty opening and accessing those emails. So we'll be working with the agency to say, hey, what's the problem with these? And 
and try and make them more accessible for, for employees to submit to the two um, websites that they've identified or the mailboxes they've identified. Um, we know the IRS has asked people um, seeking reasonable accommodation to get those in as soon as possible. They've set a deadline of Friday the 22nd to do that. Um, we know that employees can still submit after that date, but they're encouraging them to do it earlier. And so that's been um, kind of what we've heard on the reasonable accommodation. We've asked the IRS about what comes next. What is the discipline that people might be looking at? Um, we've had some just very general discussions. We know that the goal of the mandate is to protect employees from COVID-19. And the vaccine is currently, based on science, the best way to protect people from death or severe illness. Um, and so that's why it's being pushed. It's not a goal to, to remove employees. So, so there's really a heavy emphasis on trying to get people educated about the vaccine and get them vaccinated before the mandate hits. Um, my understanding of the process in general is going to be initially they're going to counsel people who have not been vaccinated and give them some um, information about the vaccine. Uh, for your listeners and your your viewers, I would advise um, NTU members to seek out the NTU webpage. There's an FAQ page that we update regularly based on the latest information. So if you have some questions about that, and also I would advise people if you're frightened about the vaccine or you don't have good science, um, there's a town hall video um, that's on our website. You can find it on the FAQ page. And there is um, a representative from the CDC who answers medical questions about the vaccines. And I think that will help people um, address any gray areas they may have. And so going back to the education, and, and I apologize, Larry, if I'm oh, cutting okay. you off, but no, then the I, next step, it's... if it's not education, um, they're looking to push the mandate by starting out with what we believe will be some form of suspension. Don't know what that's gonna look like at this point and then follow progressive discipline. If the suspension doesn't work, then uh, eventually go to proposing removal. And I'll get the next question to Duncan Giles. Yeah, Doreen, this is, you know, NTU represents 34 agencies, I believe we're up to now. And with you being assistant to Tony, you've got to deal with all of these, I would imagine, in some form or another and be familiar with them. Um, is what the IRS is doing much different than what a lot of these other agencies are doing? Or is most of the executive branch doing pretty much the same thing at this point, getting a certain date, saying you have to be vaccinated by this date? If you're not, then we're looking at education with the counseling. If not, then we go to the progressive discipline. Are they all looking at doing something along those lines? For the most part, that's correct. Um, what they're doing is following the guidance that has been put out by the administration and the Safer Federal um, Workforce Task Force that has recommended that. But agencies themselves independently can make decisions. It's recommendations. It's not orders. And so we see some differences in the various agencies about timelines they may be following, the guidance they put out. IRS has been a little slower than some of the agencies and some of like the reasonable accommodation information coming out. And um, we're farther along in some agencies about discussions about how maybe discipline will be dealt with, but they're all pretty similar um, for the most part. So you mean IRS's snail-like pace is, is not copied everywhere? 
Shocking, I know, but yes, yes. <laughs> well, I do know that there's a difference between executive branch agencies and others. I know, for example, when I worked at broadcasting, I dealt a lot with the Federal Communications Commission, or FCC, and I believe that's an agency that NT represents. They're, I don't believe they're an executive branch agency, and they're a much smaller, obviously, operation, but are they doing things the same way? Well, for those who are under the executive branch, obviously they have to follow the guidance from the administration. Those who aren't under the executive branch, we expect to follow under the OSHA guidelines that are expected out later this month. And that's going to require what we expect is also vaccines or testing of some sort. And we expect that soon. So right now we're waiting on the guidance on that. You know, you talked about not being able to open up the forum. I guess I thought I was it was just my software that was acting up. Apparently, this is a common thing where not everyone could open up these new forms on reasonable accommodations. But I guess I would ask the question, you've already touched on this, but uh, did the forum, because sometimes forums will, uh, the way the instructions are written or just the way the questions are written on the form itself, can you can learn sort of what the agency really wants in terms of uh, information and responses. Uh, did you, as, as a union, learn anything once those forms were released? I don't think the forms were surprising. I think it kind of lays out the process as far as, obviously, people are seeking an accommodation from getting the vaccine. And so if you have the medical um, format, it kind of walks you through why you would not be able to get the vaccine. And then for the religious reasons or um, closely held uh, religious belief, it kind of walks you through that thought process. So while the forms aren't required, I think it does give employees a good understanding of what the agency is going to consider as they look at these reasonable accommodation requests. Duncan, I'll bring you back in. Yeah, one of the things I want to touch on is I think now there's, we've got to have an emphasis on the status on HR Connect. Because previously, when the first, when it first came out, you know, NTU was, you know, both locally and nationally was saying, you know, you don't need to do it because, you know, it'll just be showing that you haven't been vaccinated and you'll be treated that way. But since the executive order, they are now saying you have to put in your status. And my understanding is that on HR Connect now, there is something that says that you are, if you are putting in for reasonable accommodation, that there is a status for that. But if you do not update your status on HR Connect with this to exactly where you are in the vaccination process, uh, it's my understanding that they could... Uh, say that you're not following a lawful order by doing this and you could face punishment right from the get-go from that. Is that correct? Well, they haven't talked to us about punishing people for that per se, Um, but they are viewing it as an order that they've directed employees to complete their um, attestation or their vaccination status on HR Connect. And when they first rolled it out, as you said, Duncan, initially they kind of asked people, You could put in unvaccinated or you could decline to answer the question. And then they quickly turned that around after the executive order and said, we need you to complete it accurately. And so the agency is really, IRS is taking an um, effort to try and get people to update that status. So we've seen some direct emails to employees saying, hey, you're on the system as either 
declining to answer, we need you to update it, or you haven't responded, we need you to, to put your status in there. And um, as we learned yesterday from the agency, um, they intend to do some calling of employees directly to their um, work phones to, to tell them, hey, you're not in the system and you need to get in the system. Now, I assume they're going to probably go through a series of events to try and get people updated and, and push that. Um, at some point, if people just fail to follow an order, you know, you're, you're correct, Duncan, they may look at discipline if that keeps happening. So, but right now the push is, you know, a still education and to get people in compliance with the order. Right. And one thing I do want to add on the uh, trouble with the forms opening, I was hearing right before we started this podcast, that's it's a uh, Explorer versus Edge uh, type issue. So it works on Explorer, wasn't working on Edge. I don't know if that's absolutely correct or not. Uh, but people were saying I could do it on the computer, but not on my phone. So that's just something for folks to look at if they want to take a look at these forms. And those forms are on the NTU website. They're on the IRS FAQs where it talks about vaccinations. Um, you know, so those forms are out there and available. And I would advise folks to fill them out post haste. Well, wait a minute. If they're people, going to so, submit that. So people are still using Explorer? Um, for the federal government on the computers, some of our stuff doesn't work with Edge. So yes, we are still using Explorer. I didn't even know Explorer was still, you could still use it. So I guess I've learned something here today. Let me bring Doreen back in here because Doreen, there's something that Junkin and I have talked about in the past in our podcast. And I do want your, uh, comments and view on this. And that's what the timelines, I, I mentioned this earlier that, uh, we've got some quick timelines coming up. Uh, I think many employees, when they find that they get themselves into a situation such as not wanting to be vaccinated or waiting on a reasonable accommodation request or it's denied, uh, the accommodation is not acceptable, any of those things, uh, what people have normally tried to do in the past is use, this, for example, the, uh, the appeals process to just delay the decision. Uh, Duncan and I have been talking about this. Duncan is fairly well convinced that the agency is going to do something they rarely do. They're going to speed this process up. And usually it takes weeks or months sometimes to get a, uh, an appeal all the way through the process. That He feels like if you, if you are an employee and you feel like you can just kind of stall this out for a while, that that strategy may not work when it comes to the vaccination mandate. I'd very much like to hear your views on that. Well, as far as the timelines go, obviously the agency we talked about, they want the reasonable accommodations in place um, by Friday, but they have to accept them after that effect. Um, I do want to touch base on those forms. If people submitted before those forms were available, from what IRS is saying, you don't have to start the process over again. So I just want to clarify that for people because some might be waiting there thinking, oh, now I have to redo a form. And that's one thing some agencies are making people start over. So there are some differences in agencies with that. Um, as far as the timeline goes, if you have a reasonable accommodation pending, right now, I believe the volume of the requests is going to dictate the timelines. I mean, obviously, the IRS wants to respond to these as quickly as possible, but there's a process they have to go through. They said they're going to reach out to individuals, gather the information. They're going to have a board look at some of those and make some decisions. So how long that takes is going to be heavily dependent on the inventory, the queue of how many people have submitted these. And so that's going to drive it. Um, 
if it's pending, people will be okay. I mean, there's not, they're not going to start taking disciplinary action until they get a final decision on that. And so, and then the process will, will go forward from that. If people are denied or if people have not submitted um, or done, and done nothing, they've just decided I'm not getting vaccinated, no matter what you, you say to me, you know, I think there will be efforts to move that along. They're going to, you know, like I said, try to educate people, give them an opportunity um, and then they're going to seek discipline. People are still going to have their rights to respond to that discipline, and that process will take that course. Um, but yes, I think there's an intent here to live up to the mandate, and I believe they're going to try and enforce it and follow the steps as quickly as possible. So I agree with Duncan in that aspect. They're not going to want to delay this indefinitely. Duncan, I'll bring you back in again. Yeah, one of the things I did want to touch on on the forums because I was reading the fine print uh, right before we did this podcast in both the medical and religious, if you're filing for reasonable accommodation, it does say that if you are denied you, whether you're going the EEO route or uh, the grievance route with NTEU, that discipline can proceed while this, while your appeal is being done, basically. So I would think that that's going to also uh, impact how people will be moving forward. Wouldn't you think, Doreen? Oh, absolutely. And I, I know that's a discussion that is at the negotiation table as far as the vaccine mandate, how some of these timelines are going to work. Um, you know, if you're denied, what kind of time frame do you have to you know, get your shot or your first shot? You know, when will you be expected to um, get your final shot? All of those things are, are at discussions right now. And I don't know that we have the final answers to that yet. Um, but it's important that people understand what's it going to be expected of them and, and how this process will go forward. But I think you're right, Duncan. I mean, once somebody is denied, they're going to be advised to get the vaccine and then, you know, each action will take place. And again, you know, everything the agencies keep telling us is that the goal here is for the safety of employees and not to discipline them. Right. So if any time throughout this process, somebody says, you know what, I've learned something or I've changed my mind about the vaccine and I'm going to start getting the vaccines now, the agency's willing to hold off on taking disciplinary action to allow them to comply with the mandate. So, you know, we're going to have to see how this plays out, but the intent here is to keep people safe. And, and we don't, NTU does not want to see people disciplined or lose their jobs over this, this scenario. Absolutely. And uh, Doreen, I know that uh, part of this process, although it's going very quickly, is uh, for NTEU and the IRS to reach an agreement on the impact and implementation of this. Uh, are we any closer to that, or do you have any ideas on what timelines you're looking at to get that done? Well, there, I know there's a team in place and they're really kind of waiting right now on the IRS to explain what their policy is. As you correctly stated, Larry, this is impact and implementation. We don't, this is not negotiations over the decision to mandate this vaccine. That decision is not part of this. And so how that, it, how the rollout of this is going to be negotiated. And we need the agency to tell us their intent on how they plan to roll it out so we can address some of those things at the table. And right now, my understanding is we're still waiting for some final guidance from the agency about some of the questions like on discipline or the timing of those things. And then they'll they'll finish that. So, and I will state to you as well that 
the vision here is that's not going to change the deadline date. Um, the deadline to get vaccinated continues to be November 22nd. So even if there's some questions still out there or they're still in the process of negotiating, that's not going to change that date and it'll wrap up post-implementation if necessary. Looking at all this, uh, the executive order, what's come after it, this all deals with the one J&J shot or the two shots for Pfizer and Moderna. Now we have booster shots for Pfizer and, and uh, uh, Pfizer, I should say, and Moderna and J and J are expected to get approval for boosters in the near future. Do you expect any complications from the booster shots in terms of uh, huh. in terms of government policy? Well, right now we're kind of waiting to see you know what the CDC recommends because that's what the agency is following. So we know earlier in October, the CDC recommended for specific individuals, a booster shot for Pfizer. We expect to see something similar coming out of Moderna and J&J probably later this week or next week. What we haven't seen is changes to what is considered fully vaccinated. So even though for certain people with maybe health conditions or in frontline positions of, you know, identified like nurses, et cetera, boosters are recommended. They have not changed their guidance as far as what's considered fully vaccinated. So as of today, because I, I want to be clear, as of today, it's <laughs> changed with science. Um, boosters are recommended for people, but it's not part of the requirement, and not covered by the executive order at this time. Duncan, any final questions uh, on this issue for Doreen? I, I just want to uh, expand a little bit. Boosters is one of those things that we actually had a great deal of discussion at the bargaining table for the new national agreement. And if the CDC does recommend booster shots and you do get, uh, you do fall under those uh, guidelines for those who should be getting boosters, you should be getting time for the agency to be able to go and get those booster shots, as well as if there's any adverse uh, reaction to it, any recovery, uh, up to two days of recovery time to, you know, basically get yourself back together after the reaction to the shot. It would, would you say that's accurate, Doreen? That is accurate. Now, um, Duncan, you know, we, you were on the term, at the turntable when we <laughs> negotiated boosters. Um, we all saw this coming, that we thought boosters would probably be necessary, wanted to make sure there was language in that contract to, to, to protect employees who needed it. Um, and so the contract language does address that you'll get um, administrative time for the booster as well as travel to and from the booster. What um, we also know and we've emphasized with our discussions NTU has with OPM is we want clarification to the agencies to make sure that recovery time, like we're seeing for the initial vaccines, is available. The up to two days if you have any reactions or, or recovery time necessary from the boosters. And um, to my knowledge, OPM has agreed and they, they uh, will be putting out additional guidance to agencies. So that should resolve any of that concern. But from what I'm hearing, anybody who has applied for boosters, and really right now we still have only seen the Pfizer booster for certain individuals, um, they've, they've been making those requests and under our current contract language have been getting approved. I have one last question on this issue, Doreen. One thing that in my experience years ago, being a union official and even a manager, is that no matter what you try to do, when you have a program as big as a, a vaccination mandate, 
there are always unforeseen circumstances that come up and you have to deal with them. Have you discussed that with the IRS? How are you going to react to these unforeseen circumstances, either with your talks with IRS or just uh, talking internally within the NTU staff is how you might react to circumstances that come up that you cannot foresee right now? Well, I think IRS kind of approaches everything as an unforeseen circumstance, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I mean, for, for example, I think we have been doing that. Uh, you know, the boosters is something that's come up. I think, you know, the mandate in itself, it, we've had to address it with the IRS's efforts to hire. How does it impact new hires when they come on board? You know, will they be vaccinated? What do they tell people? How much time do they have? Um, we work through an issue with uh, employees who are released right now that are seasonal employees that would have to come back. So, you know, the IRS had to make efforts to, we said, how do you communicate with them? How do they know? How do they learn about the reasonable accommodation process since they're not able to see their emails? So, you know, we've learned that they've sent letters to them and advised them of some of this information. So, yeah, there's always with every program, some unforeseen things. And, you know, people like Duncan and our other chapter leaders across the nation raise this stuff regularly with NTU. And we're in constant communication with the IRS kind of helping identify those issues and you know walking through those and working through those issues so employees aren't stuck with their hands in the air going, now what do I do? Um, we want to be ahead of that if we can avoid it. Yeah, I love that quote. IRS thinks everything's an unforeseen circumstance. I don't know. I, I, April 15th <laughs> comes as a surprise every, every year. Every year, right? <laughs> yeah. And then there's October 15th, but we'll leave that alone because um, everybody seems to offer an extension these days. Uh, any any final uh, comments or questions uh, for Doreen before we move on on vaccination mandates, Duncan? I think we've covered it pretty well. I would urge every uh, NTU member to hit the NTU.org website because the FAQs are updated regularly. They are very, very informative, and they go more in-depth than the IRS information does and is in, uh, updated much quicker than the IRF IRS information is. So I would absolutely urge any member to go there. Yeah. And Doreen, I'd like to compliment the National Union. I think that the uh, way that the Q&As are put together on the NTEU.org website for the for the people who are members, very easy to read and put in the proper context. So I think it's much, if you read that, you get a much better feel for exactly what is and is not required. Anything that you would like to uh, add on this subject before we move on? No, I just another plug for the town hall video for the CDC scientists. Um, really, if people want to know some information about the vaccines because they're scared about them or concerned that, you know, they've read some bad information, you know, we try to deal with science and facts. And I think that does a really good job of, of kind of breaking through some of the, the myths out there and answering real questions that people have forwarded out of concern. And it's worthwhile taking a view of that. If you want to learn more. Yeah, we did place that uh, on our NTU Chapter 49 Indiana Facebook page. So uh, and it got quite a bit of attention. So I think people are watching that. And I'm, that was a very good decision to uh, put that up on your, your website as well for, at the national level. Uh, Doreen, I'd like to ask you about uh, something everyone is concerned about every year. It's pay raise. And this is the, th the first time in many years, I, myself as a retiree, we will get a higher pay raise than employees. It doesn't usually work out that way uh, because of inflation rates and so forth. 
But right now, as I understand it, uh, the House has passed uh, a pay raise. The Senate has been silent, which keeps the pay raise at the same rate as the president has proposed, which, as I understand it, is a 2.2% across the board raise and one half of 1% to be shared uh, on locality pay. Um, I know you. The uh, we've talked to uh, uh, Kata Sabenka, who heads up your uh, uh, legislative department, and talked about how uh, the department deals with that. Uh, what are you hearing from your lobbyists on Capitol Hill? Does it look like the pay raise will be at that level? I know there are a few people in Congress pushing for a higher raise. Where do you think this will go when we hit the finish line soon? Well, Larry, I think you you presented it well. I mean, we're at the 2.2 plus the locality. So on average, 2.7. Um, that gives us pay, uh, pay parity with the military. Um, I think the the administration and Congress is probably comfortable at that level. NTU is not. <laughs> we are pushing still for the FAIR Act at 3.2%. And we're not going to be counted out until we're, we're at the finish line. And we're going to keep pushing until we get there. Um, Tony tells a, a story very passionately that, you know, in past years, we've NTU has always continued pushing for p- increased pay raises for our members. And we've been successful when others have given up. So there's no give up in this in this fight. We're going to keep pushing for the 3.2. Wanted to give you a chance to make that case, and I know that's been uh, the uh, the that that's been the position of the union all through this process. Duncan, anything on pay raise? No, I I you know echo and applaud um, you know Doreen's comments about what NTU does, and you know it's as we've talked about before, it's very easy for folks. Uh, members to go on the NTU website and let their congressperson or senator know that they want the higher pay raise. It just takes literally moments to send that letter to them. And, you know, they do listen. So it it can never hurt. And it's your money. It's your pocketbook. If you want a higher pay raise, you know, do that. I would would say that's the best thing that uh, members can do right now to try and influence us. And speaking of money, uh, I know that uh, I, just following Duncan's uh, blow-by-blow account of what happened uh, in the national negotiations uh, for the national agreement with IRS, that awards was a very big issue, and uh, the awards pool is is a two percent of of, of uh, salary, I think it is, or pay, general payroll, which is a very high number, uh, and that money will be coming out. Uh, in the next uh, about two, three months. Talk about what we know about the awards payout coming later this year, Doreen. Well, we're pleased, as Duncan has shared with you, we were very pleased to get a a floor for awards of 2%, um, starting with the new contract. Now that's for fiscal year 22 awards. But um, for FY21, we are also getting 2%, which is, is excellent, which will be a, a great increase for employees. And um, we're expecting them this quarter to be paid out, hopefully towards the end of November, sometime mid-December. We don't have an exact date yet. Um, that money is well-earned by employees who have really done an outstanding job um, keeping the organization operating um, through a pandemic, through switching over to telework, doing all the great things that they did. Um, IRS's truest, be- biggest asset is its employees. And this is the first time in many, many years that awards are starting to recognize the contributions that employees have. And so 
I'm excited that employees are going to see those those increases in their awards um, for this fiscal year and then starting again in 22. And the language actually says two, you know, a minimum of two percent. So we're hopeful in future years to keep it going up um, because, as I said, you know, employees earn this. They work very hard for the agency despite the obstacles, um, despite the fact that they've been you know short of resources for years. Um, they still deliver. And so um, awards are the best way to recognize employees. Yes, Doreen, I just told my wife yesterday how lucky I am that I retired 10 years ago, seeing what all you folks are dealing with. It's just amazing the work that has been done by employees at the IRS and other uh, federal agencies. Any comment on awards, Duncan? Uh, I was I was very pleased that NTU was able to talk to IRS and, and you know, have them understand that they it would be very good for everybody concerned if they started the 2% for the fiscal year 21. And I'm very glad that NT was able to get that accomplished with the IRS. Cause I think it, as Doreen said, it's very well deserved. Well, Doreen, we spent most of our time on the vaccination uh, mandate, which, you know, Duncan and I have also been spending the lion's share of our time on these podcasts the last several weeks on that as well. Uh, I'm just going to give you a chance to just make any comment about any issue you want, anything you would like to say before we wrap the podcast up. Well, I just want to thank you for inviting me on. I think you guys are doing just such an awesome job addressing the real life issues that um, NTU members are dealing with. And while, yes, we spend a lot of time on the vaccine mandate right now, that's front and center for for most employees. Um, Employees who are vaccinated, who are concerned about possibly having to return back to the workplace and not be safe, and those who are concerned about the vaccine itself. And so we try to give everybody as much information as we can. As I said, we try to follow the facts and the science and be there to support our members. And so um, all I would say to everybody is we are a union for a reason. We are united in a common goal um, to look out for the dignity and respect of federal employees. And so through this all, we will get through it and we will be in a better place at the end. And so keep communicating with each other and keep talking about things because that's how we solve problems. You know, a lot is said about union contracts, but uh, I remember in my early days of working at IRS when I became an NTU member, I just looked at that contract and saw that language that every employee of the IRS is entitled to dignity and respect and thought that's, that's in the contract. It's a commitment that the union wanted the management to make, and that was no small commitment. So that when you say that, uh, Dorit, it is not just something IRS and, and, and NTU encourages IRS to do. It is in the contract language and has been in that contract for a very long time. Uh, Duncan, anything you would like to say uh, before we say goodbye? Well, we're going to be hitting dignity and respect. You know, the folks on the phones right now and the folks in the tax they're an awful lot of upset taxpayers, understandable because they can't get through on the phones. It's tough for them to get an appointment because of, you know, there are so few employees, you know, you don't have to take any abuse. I just want to, again, emphasize that to employees. You don't have to take any abuse. If a taxpayer is getting irate, is starting to curse you, starting to yell, ask them to stop. If they don't, you are absolutely entitled to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disconnect this call if you can't talk to me rationally. You absolutely have that right. And any chapter president or chapter leader across this country will back you up on that. So don't feel you ever have to take abuse. 
because we're not going to let you stand, you know, stand alone and we're not standing for it. Well, Duncan and I are both alumni of uh, working on the telephones. I was a taxpayer assistance center manager. In fact, the man who succeeded me ended up being physically assaulted, which, you know, it's just an awful thing to happen for an employer manager, either one. So uh, what Duncan says is is very important. Doreen, thank you so Can much I, for being our guest today. And I think you have something you want to add. I'll give yeah, you a chance to Yeah, I just want to, to add and, and kind of mirror what Duncan said. You know, we, we throw around the words dignity and respect. And what NTU really does is try to bring that to life. It's not just words on a paper. And, you know, what TAS is going through, the employees in TAS and the, the huge ballooning inventories, you know, NTU is working with TAS to try and get at the heart of that. The bottom line is, while a lot of people want to blame it on the pandemic, the fact is IRS has been starved of resources and there just aren't the people to do the work that is necessary. And so we're, you know, the, the administration and the Build Back Better um, uh, legislation to try and get more money for the IRS and not just in appropriations, but going forward to really address the starvation that has occurred of our agency over the years is very important to our to members. And so keep that in mind. We're all working towards a goal. You know, NTU is there fighting on all of those fronts for employees so that they, they feel that they are treated with dignity, dignity and respect. It's not just words. And you know, so, so thank you again for your time. Oh, thank you. And Doreen, I, we could do a whole podcast and more just on the <laughs> recruitment challenges IRS is going to have in the coming years, uh, along with a lot of other agencies. So you, you touched on some things and brought lots of questions to my mind. But we are going to have to wrap this up. Our time is, is over time already. Duncan, thank you for being here again. And uh, Doreen, um, thank you so much for joining us again. You always have very important uh, comments and information. We hope you'll return at a future date. Anytime. Thank you so much. And my name is Larry Lannon. I am uh, a volunteer here at Chapter 49. And uh, I just, I'm the one who produces these podcasts and we do thank you for listening we hope you uh, enjoy it if you like it let other people know and uh, we would hope to grow the audience it has been growing over the last year year and a half uh, my name is larry Landon. thank you very much for listening and watching the chapter 49 podcast and please be safe and be kind be safe and be kind